Join me in the book of Acts, if you would, Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17 as we continue our series. Acts chapter 17, and we're going to be reading verses 16 through 34. So you have a Bible or the Bible app on your phone. Acts chapter 17, verses 16 through 34. Now, while Paul was waiting for them, that's Timothy and Silas, at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, He seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took Paul and brought him to the Areopagus saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting for you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know therefore what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul standing in the midst of the Areopagus said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring." Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, We will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. But some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysius the Areopagite and the woman named Damaris and others with them. In 2010, Great Britain took a survey to see how many conversations per day the average British person was engaged in. So this is 2010. So anybody want to take a guess from that survey, how many conversations per day the average British person would engage in? Anybody take a guess? So we throw a number. Five. What? 20. 50. 27 conversations per day. So the survey found that the average British person is engaged in 27 conversations every day with each conversation lasting around the average of 10 minutes. 
Now, the sad part of this survey was that they found about half of those conversations were pointless. They meant nothing. So they were in conversations, lots of conversations every day, and half of those conversations really were pointless. If you're a disciple of Jesus and you have conversations with people, I want you to know that you can share Jesus with people. I want you to think for you, how many conversations would you say that you have on an average day? Think of at work, think of at school, think of at home. Could be through texting, Facebook, Snapchat, uh, email. Think of the different conversations. Could be um, in the neighborhood, at the gym, whatever it might be. Think of the different kinds of conversations that you have during the day with different people. And if you're a disciple of Jesus and you have conversations with people, which you do, then you can share Jesus with people. Because sharing Jesus is as simple and natural as having an everyday conversation. One of the practices of disciples is that we share this mission. We, we live out this mission that Jesus has called us to. And involved in sharing that mission is talking with people about Jesus. And that's why we're in this series at the start of the year, learning how do we become better equipped at living this mission out that Jesus has called us to. And so last Sunday, we spent time looking at what was the Apostle Paul's motivation when he showed up in the city of Athens. What was his motivation? This morning, I want us to look at Paul's method. It's not the only way to share Jesus, but it is a way to share Jesus with people. And so I want us to look at Paul's method when it comes to how do we share Jesus with people. Before we do that, though, I want us to just do a quick review from last Sunday. Last Sunday, we spent a little bit of time understanding that Jesus has given his disciples exactly what we need in order to do this. He's given you, if you're a disciple of Jesus, his Holy Spirit. So right now, where you sit, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you have the very presence, the life presence of God himself, whose name is the Holy Spirit living in you. You have him in you. And when you read the book of Acts, you come to understand, really, the book of Acts is about disciples of Jesus talking with people about Jesus. And Jesus said, you don't do that without the Holy Spirit, so I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. So you have who you need in order to do this. That's good news. You have who you need in order to talk with people about Jesus. And then last week, we also looked and discovered that Paul's motivation for sharing Jesus was that Jesus had become so amazing to him. He'd been so overwhelmed with who Jesus is and his love and his grace and his forgiveness and his promises that as he walked through the city streets of Athens, he, he wanted Jesus to get the credit that was, that was his and only his. And, and he wanted the people to get who they needed, which was Jesus or who is Jesus. And so we saw that Paul's motivation for sharing Jesus is really Jesus. In this book that we have available for you guys, and just take one if you like it, Uh, The author Alvin Reed says this, he says, If Jesus is the greatest thing that ever happened to us, he should come up in conversations. Not forced, not structured, but simply because he is the biggest deal in our lives. Think about that for a moment. If we say he's the biggest deal in our lives but we never bring him up in conversation, then is he really the biggest deal in our lives? That was convicting for me when I read that. For Paul, when you look at the Apostle Paul, Jesus was the biggest deal in Paul's life. 
And so that was his motivation to talk with people about Jesus because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for him. And so this morning, I want us to look at this principle, Paul's method for sharing Jesus from Acts chapter 17. And again, I'll say it's not the only way to share Jesus, but it is a way to share. And so here's the principle from Paul that I want us to see. The principle is this, the catalyst for Paul's presentation of the gospel at a place called Mars Hill in Athens, the catalyst for that were Paul's everyday conversations about Jesus in the marketplace. The catalyst, the the thing that led to Paul standing in this place called Mars Hill before this Areopagus, the thing that led to that was were Paul's everyday conversations about Jesus in the marketplace. And from that, we're going to see a principle for us that I think and hope will help us be better equipped at sharing Jesus and talking with people about Jesus. So, so where do we see this? Let me, let me show you where we see this. Look at verse 22. So Paul is standing in the midst of this thing called this Areopagus. Now, this Areopagus was like a supreme court. This was like a council of religious leaders, civic leaders, and and they would meet on occasion, and they would meet outside this hill called Mars Hill. It was named after the Greek god Ares, the god of war. And so these people, these decision makers, these civic leaders, these philosophers, these thinkers, these these rulers that determined the, the thought and the culture of the city of Athens and possibly even the Roman Empire, they would come together, judges, lawyers, thinkers, and they would meet to discuss the latest thinking, the latest religions. And so Paul is standing in the midst of them. This is where he finds himself. And so you got to think, imagine this. Now, Paul is standing, he's, he's in one of the most powerful cities of the Roman Empire, standing before some of the most powerful people in the city of Athens, and he's there, and as you, we read, he's going to tell them about Jesus. He's going to talk to these people about Jesus. Several years ago, I had the opportunity to speak before the CEO of Yagut, frozen yogurt company. And in that meeting were the CEO of, was the CEO of Yagut and several of their area managers. And I was nervous. It was crazy. And they just... I knew someone that was an area manager, and they kind of knew our story of going overseas to Ireland for a couple of years and coming back, and they wanted me to share the story, and, and I, it was a perfect opportunity to just talk about Jesus, and I was, and I was nervous, and, and it was kind of crazy, a bunch of people I didn't know, and here I am in front of this, this company, and then the CEO is there, and that's kind of what, what's happening here for Paul. He finds himself amongst some of the most prominent people of this incredible city, who determine religion and culture for, for the city, for the people where they live. How does he get there? How does he get to this point where he's standing in the midst of this council called the Areopagus outside a place called Mars Hill in Athens? Well, let's go up a few verses. Look at verse 19. It says, And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus. So Paul ends up in this place standing amongst all these people because these people took him there. They brought him to this place. Well, why do they take Paul there? We'll go up to verse 18, or actually go to verse 20 and 21. It said, They took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. For you, keyword for, 
right? Gives purpose there because you're bringing some strange things to our ears. And we wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So they're taking Paul to this place called Mars Hill to speak to this group called the Areopagus. Why? Because of the message that he's telling them. He's talking to them about Jesus and the resurrection. And that was completely new to them. They, they call it strange. The strange teaching that we're hearing. So Paul is talking to them about Jesus and the resurrection. And it was, it was new to them. And they loved, as, as it says here, they loved talking and hearing about new things, new religion, new teaching. And so Jesus was, was new to people. And the resurrection was new to them. What? What is this? Who is this? And, and what we're hearing is so crazy, so new. You've got to talk to, this, to, our, to our council about this teaching. But how did these people hear this strange message about Jesus? So Paul's standing in the midst of the Areopagus, right? He, he's standing. Why? Because they took him there. Well, why did they take him there? Because he's preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Well, how did they hear about the strange teaching of Jesus and the resurrection? Well, look at verse 17 says, so he, Paul, reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. How did they end up hearing about Jesus and the resurrection to the point where they're like, you got to share this with other people? It was because Paul was having everyday conversations. And in those everyday conversations, he was bringing up Jesus. He was bringing up Jesus in those everyday conversations. Now, that word reasoned, when I was studying this, I'm like, man, what's that really mean, the word reasoned? Now, the New Testament was written in the original language Greek. That, that, that's the language in which the New Testament was written. So Luke, who is the author of the book of Acts, all right, when he's writing this out and recording this event, he uses a word for reasoned, and you can see it on the screen, called dialegami. All right, dialegami. That's what the word reason means. Now, what English word does that look like? Dialogue. That's exactly what it means. So when it, you go here and it says he reasoned in the synagogue, what it says is Paul's just having dialogue with these people in the synagogue and in the marketplace. He's having conversations with people in the synagogue and in the marketplace. Just daily, everyday conversations, and he's bringing up Jesus and the resurrection. And he's doing this every day. So remember, Paul's there. He's waiting for his friends Timothy and Silas to show up. And so he's walking around, he's having coffee in their coffee shops, he's having conversation, and in the conversation, he's bringing up Jesus. Paul was self-employed, he was a tent maker, so maybe he's doing some odd jobs while he's in Athens waiting for his friends. So it's break time, he goes to the lunchroom, and he's having conversations with people in the break room, and he's bringing up Jesus in the break room. Or maybe he works out, and maybe he goes to Athens gym, Athens Fitness, and he hangs out there, and he's talking to people, gets to know some people. They're having a conversation, and there he is in Athens Fitness, and a conversation comes up, and he just starts bringing up Jesus. Every day, dialogue. Dialogue. And he would bring up Jesus in the conversation. A gentleman who was a friend of mine, he passed away a few years ago. His name was Norris Pickens. I've mentioned him before, I think. You couldn't talk to Norris for five minutes and not hear about Jesus. You just couldn't. And it wasn't like, man, it was like, man, Jesus is amazing. I mean, he just, he, you just couldn't talk to Norris without him talking to you about Jesus. He just loved Jesus so much. And he had this joy that came from him. 
I mean, and it was, it was very natural. It wasn't like forced in any way. He just loved Jesus so much, you couldn't help talk to Norris and hear about Jesus. That's who he was. And I think that's like Paul. Every day, you just talk to Paul. He's like, yeah, he's a big deal in my life. Jesus is a big deal to me. And so if he's a big deal, I'm going to talk to you about him. But if you go to verse 18, look, some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with Paul. Conversed. Conversation. And literally, that word converse means thinking, discussing, questioning. So Paul's having these conversations, these dia- this dialogue with these people, and, and he's asking them questions about what they believe, and, and they're asking Paul questions about what he believes, and they're engaging in this conversation. And so what I want you to see is this, that the connection between Paul being able to stand before the Areopagus, these city leaders, and talk to them about Jesus, that happened because of Paul's everyday conversations bringing up Jesus in the marketplace. And so there's a principle there, I think, for us when it comes to sharing Jesus. And the principle is, think conversations bringing up Jesus before presentations about Jesus. Think conversations bringing up Jesus before presentations about Jesus. Now, Paul gives both. He has everyday conversations, and he gets an opportunity to present about Jesus. But I think if you're like me, I'm so focused on what do I say, what do I do, how do I, you know, got to get my presentation down, all this stuff. And just Paul just had daily conversation, everyday dialogue. And Jesus was such a big deal to his life. He said, how can I not talk to you about Jesus? Jesus himself was great at this. He was phenomenal at just having conversations with people about himself. In John chapter 3, there was a religious ruler named Nicodemus. He comes to Jesus at night, and they just have a conversation. And in that dialogue between Jesus and Nicodemus, Jesus shares the gospel with them. Next chapter, John, the gospel, uh, uh, chapter 4 in the gospel of John, Jesus shows up at a very familiar well, and a Samaritan woman shows up, and they just have dialogue, conversation around this well, and Jesus is sharing himself with this, with this woman. He's sharing the gospel with this woman around the well. There was a, a rich young ruler who approached Jesus, and he said, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus just has conversation with him, dialogue. When you think about it, a lot of Jesus' teachings, even with the disciples, were in conversation. Just conversation, dialogue with people. You read about Jesus going to the home of a man named Zacchaeus. Well, what do you do in a home? You have conversation, you have dialogue. So inside this home, Jesus having conversation, conversation with, with Zacchaeus and his family. And then you read about Jesus in the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Well, what do you do in the home? You have conversation, dialogue. And Jesus just having conversation. And in that conversation, he's bringing up the gospel. He's bringing, talking to them about himself and his mission and who he is, that he's God, that he's the redeemer, he's the savior. And so the principle that I want us to see from from this, from Paul and even from the life of Jesus, is to think conversations bringing up Jesus before presentations about Jesus. And so here's an implication for us, and this is going to sting, but it needs to. If you're not bringing Jesus into your daily conversations, don't then expect people to ask you about this Jesus you say you follow. I think we have this expectation that just people should just come flocking to me and ask me about this Jesus. That, that happens sometimes, rarely. Rarely. Jesus left the mission to his people, 
And he said, you will be my witnesses. And he doesn't want to take away the joy you receive in talking to other people about him. And if we're not bringing up Jesus in daily conversations, we shouldn't expect people to ask us about this Jesus we say we follow. But the flip side of that is this. If you start bringing Jesus into your daily conversations, there's going to be people who will want to know more, more than likely, about this Jesus you say you follow. So, so what's this look like, right? How, how does this work? I've shared with you in the past that next, our next-door neighbors are, are Muslim. And they moved in about three or four years ago. And when they moved in, uh, we just would be out in the yard and their kids would play with our kids and we would just have conversation with them. Um, the past several winters when it snowed, I'd go over there and, and, and shovel his driveway, their driveway. He'd come over and shovel our driveway, just serving one another, just loving each other. He invited me once to their mosque, to their community center, and I went and, uh, and, and hung out there with them and had meal, dinner with them and, and the other people there. And, and Andrew's had conversations with, with the wife and about homeschooling and different things. And, and uh, we've had them in our home for a meal a couple years ago. And then they've had us in their home for a meal. And in those conversations, very natural, very organic, we'd talk about Jesus. Not every conversation, but some conversations we'd end up talking about Jesus. And they, I know they saw something different with us and with, with our kids and parenting. Well, just a couple of weeks ago, they, um, well, in early December, they had their third child. And so we reached out and said, hey, we'd love to bring you a meal and a gift to celebrate the arrival of your third child. So when can we come over and do this? So we put a date on the calendar, and uh, the day came, and we, our whole family wanted our whole family to go. And so all six of us, right? And before we went over there, we said, hey, we just really, let's get together and let's pray. Let's just really see if God might open the door for us to just talk to them about Jesus. And so we walk over next door, um, knock on the door. We walk in and we're all sitting in the living room. Our girls in it playing with their little kids. And so it's Luke, Grant, me on the couch, Andrea over here. Um, the husband's mom was, came over, too, and she's sitting there, and then, then the couple. Within the first five minutes of sitting down, the husband says, I have a question for you. How do you teach religion to your kids? So we, only, we told him we walked in. We're only going to be here for a little bit. We ended up there being an hour. And the whole conversation was about, you know what? You know, we gave some practical things, what we do with our kids and what we've done with our kids as far as teaching them what we, be, what we believe, but we really got past that to talk to them. Really, Jesus, it's not about religion and a bunch of do's and don'ts and a bunch of them trying to be moral. It's about God and who he is, that he's real, that he loves you, that we're sinners and, and that Jesus died on the cross for us and frees us from this. So we don't serve him now out of duty in the sense of like to try to get him to, to like us, to earn his favor. We just, because we love him. And because of his love for us, and, you know, they put the boys on the spot. They're like, so, you know, how did you deal with that growing up as far as, like, your parents telling you to live this certain way? And they're like, yeah, and the boys, I loved it. God was speaking through them. It was so awesome. They're just like, yeah, when we were little, you know, we did it because we didn't want to disobey our mom and dad. But now that we've gotten older, we realize just how much Jesus loves us and what he's done for us, that now we want to serve him. We want to do these things, not to earn mom and dad's favor or God's favor, but because we know God loves us so much for what he's done for us. It was awesome. It was amazing. 
three or four years of just conversations, everyday conversations. And in those conversations, bringing up Jesus. And so what now, right? What now? Another quote from the book, Alvin Reed says this, the mindset to have is this. Instead of figuring out a way to force the gospel into the conversation, listen to people to hear ways Jesus' love would relate to them. Listen. Listen, it's dialogue. It's conversation. Listen. And so while I was studying for this this week, I came up with a really cool acronym, totally original and incredibly hokey. Okay? But if you're like me, I need reminders. I need reminders when it comes to living out the mission that Jesus has called us to. At the end of each row, underneath the first seat, are some handouts. There's not one for everybody. You may have to share a little bit. But I want to introduce a tool for you that I hope will help you help me help us as a church to really live this mission out as far as having conversation with people. And credit to Matt Duggar, who created the design for this, like last night. Thank you. That was my fault, not his. All right. So, so it's the acronym BLAB. Okay. It's the acronym BLAB. All right. So I'm hopeful that as you remember this, this will help you in when it comes to living out your mission as far as talking with people about Jesus. Again, it's original hokey. Make fun of me. Just don't tell me you're making fun of me. Okay. It's totally okay. But I need this. And so here's what it stands for. The B, the first B stands for just be a good listener. Dialogue, it's two-way. A lot of times we're sitting there thinking about what I got to say next or how do I get Jesus. You know, we're thinking about all this stuff. Just listen. Be a great listener. Jesus was an incredible listener. For 30 years before he started his ministry, he was just listening and engaged in in, in conversations with people. Be a good listener. It's dialogue. You don't have to be the one talking all the time. But as you listen, ask God to give you a love for that person and care for that person just simply because they're made in his image. Just love them. Just, Just be a good listener. The L stands for love them tangibly. Love tangibly. Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now remember, when he was in Thessalonica, that was two cities before he got to Athens, and they couldn't stand him. There were people there who ran him out of the city. But Paul, in his letter to Thessalonians, to the Christians there, he says this, not only did we tell you the gospel, but we shared our lives with you as well. We cared for you. Love people. Love them tangibly in in simple ways. People aren't going to care to know about Jesus if you don't care for them first. So be a good listener. Love the person tangibly. Maybe it's at work in the cubicle next to you. Ask questions. That's the A. Ask questions. Remember, it's conversation. You're in conversation with people. Now, some examples, what kinds of questions can you ask? Something that I've been doing a lot more lately, have not done it in in the past, is just when I'm out to eat. Uh, Even this week, out to eat, just asking the server, say, hey, listen, um, when you bring the food out to us, I'm going to thank Jesus for that food. And when I do, is there anything I could talk to him about for you? Almost every time, they always give something. Jeremy and I were out this week, and the girls shared, yeah, I'm actually going to New York City for an interview. It's a pretty big deal. And so we're able to pray for Lexi. And I don't know what God will do with that, but that's, that's just hopefully a, a water on a seed or something to help spur the, her thought about, wow, these guys, they talk about Jesus. So you can just simply ask, how can I pray for you? Maybe somebody at work that's going through a tough time. And even if they're open to it, say, would, would it feel awkward to you if I prayed for you right now? Or better if I just prayed later? 
So how can I pray for you? Another question that you could ask is, just ask people their story. So tell me your story. What brought you here to this place, to this city? What's your family like? What's your background? What's your faith background? Another question that you could ask is the question, what are you looking for? Now, in our living community, our house church, we're starting a study in the Gospel of John, and I never noticed this before. But the very first words that the author John records of Jesus saying in the Gospel of John is a question. It's the first time we see Jesus saying anything in the Gospel of John, and the first thing he says is an actual question, and the question is this, what are you looking for? I love that. I'm like, wow, that's such a great question. What are you looking for? And so maybe someone's sharing with you their, their background, maybe their pain, maybe their hurt, maybe their struggle with faith or whatever. You just say, you know what? Let me ask, what, what are you looking for? Say, well, I'm looking for happiness. I'm looking for peace. Well, how do you know when you'll find it? How do you know when that's enough? Well, I don't know. Would you mind if I shared with you where I find peace and happiness and where, where mine is found? And then you can touch, talk about, about Jesus if he's a big deal to you which I hope he is. Ask questions. And then the last one, B, is bring up Jesus. Bring up Jesus. And I confess, I I bring him up very little in conversation. People ask, well, how was your weekend? Do we even tell people that we were at church worshiping with other Jesus followers? Or do we get nervous? We feel embarrassed? We're talking about the King of Kings here. Heaven right now, angels swirling around, worshiping Jesus. And we get uncomfortable telling people we went to church on the weekend. Repent. This all comes back to, is Jesus a big deal to you or not? Is he a big deal to you? If he's a big deal to us, then you would think he'd come up in conversation more if he's a big deal. And he is a big deal. Whether you think he is or not, he is. He's, He's a big deal in heaven right now. Angels swirling around, I mean, creatures worshiping. He's a huge deal in heaven. Let's make him a huge deal here. And let's blab. It's okay. I can handle it. And it all starts, guys, with thinking about Jesus. Think conversations, bringing up Jesus before presentations about Jesus. So this week, I don't know if you did it. I did it every day this week before my feet hit the floor. Probably four out of seven days. I got Revelation 5 and I read Revelation 5. Just want to get my mind thinking about Jesus to start the day. So you got to start your day thinking about Jesus. You got to go through your day thinking about Jesus. And as you do, you're going to be a good listener. You're going to love. You're going to ask questions. And through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, you're going to bring up Jesus and you're going to leave the result to Jesus. Imagine if every person that's in this room that's a disciple of Jesus actually blabbed. Can you imagine? Not only what it would do for people who need Jesus, but what it would do for you and your growth and your relationship with Jesus to see the power and presence of the Holy Spirit working in your life. How awesome is that? The catalyst for Paul's presentation of the gospel at Mars Hill were his everyday conversations about Jesus in the marketplace. And let me tell you, conversations that lead to Jesus are never pointless. They are never pointless. So this week, let's think conversations, bringing up Jesus before presentations about Jesus. Why? 
Why? Because worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Would you stand? This is our why. Stand with me. As you go through your week, think Jesus. As you go through your week, blab, have conversations, bring up Jesus because he's a big deal. If he's not a big deal to you, then right now as we're singing, maybe you need to get on your knees and you need to repent. And you need to ask God to forgive you. And ask God to give you a desire, a passion, a delight for Christ all over again. And if you need to come forward, you need to talk to your house church pastor, do that. Find them and say, pray with me. Or maybe that someone comes to your mind that you need to pray for. You want to talk to them about Jesus. Take this time during our singing to maybe find a spot in the room and just talk to someone that needs Jesus. Talk to, say, would you pray with me? Pray, I have a burden for this person at work, whatever. But why we do this is because Jesus is a big deal. He is worthy. And he loves you even when you don't worship him. Even when you forget all about him, he never stops loving you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Worthy is the lamb. Lord Jesus, we come to you. Lord Jesus, you are a huge deal. You are worth telling everyone about. You are so amazing that everyone deserves your worship. And God, may it start with us right here in this upper room. May it start with us, God. Do something inside each and every person's soul and heart this morning. Put within us a passion for you, a desire for your name, a love for you that compares to no one else. And so as we go this week, loving you, thankful for you, thinking about you, would you give us the boldness and the courage and the delight to bring you up in our conversations, for you are worthy. You are worthy.